Section 23 of Atlantic Narratives, Modern Short Stories, published 1918 by the Atlantic Monthly Press. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mr. Squem by Arthur Russell Taylor Why do we go on perpetuating an uncomfortable breed? The man who was shaving at the mirror-panelled door of the Pullman smoking compartment looked at his questioner on the leather seat opposite. "'Give it up,' he answered. "'Why is a hen?' The first man wrapped his pipe empty on the edge of a cuspidor. "'You answer the question,' he said, "'in the only possible way, by asking another.' "'Right,' answered the shaver, and began to run the hot water." A closely built man, in a suit so heavily striped as to seem stripes before it was a suit, lurched into the compartment and settled himself to his paper and cigar. "'That monkey on a stick,' he presently broke out, "'is still taking good money away from the asses who go to hear him rant about God and hell and all the rest up in Boston. I am so damn tired of him and of that rich rough-necked freeze. It's the limit.' "'Pretty much,' said the man with the pipe. "'I was reading about the Belgians just before you came in, "'and when I jumped away from them I lit on something about Poland. "'Then I wondered aloud to this gentleman "'why we go on multiplying, increasing such an uncomfortable breed. "'Modic gods and degenerate millionaires make one wonder more.' "'What is your line, may I ask?' inquired the stripe-suited man. "'Religion.' "'The hell, I beg your pardon.' "'If you mean that you're a preacher or something like that, all I've got to say is you're a funny one. "'It's your job, isn't it, to be dead sure that everything's all right, "'or somehow going to be all right, no matter about all the must-upness? "'Yes, that's certainly your job. "'Yet here you are, asking why we go on stocking the world with kids. "'I might ask that. I'm in rubber tires, but not you. "'Yes, I might. Only I don't.' The man who had been shaving had resumed his tie, collar, and coat, and now lighted a cigarette. "'I lay my money,' he said, "'on one thing, that if men let themselves go, they wind up shortly with God, or with what would be God if there were any. You've come to it early, through the ledger. You'd have got to it sooner or later, though, if you'd been talking about hunting dogs, provided you'd have let yourselves go.' "'Well, now,' asked the closely built man, what is your line? Education. High-brow company. Seems to me the pair of you ought to be silencers for a plain businessman like me. Rubber is my line, not how the world is run. My opinion on that is small change, sure. Yet I think it ought to be run, the world, I mean, even if it's mussed up to the limit, and I think it's up to us to keep it running. The parson here, if he is a parson, asks why we should, that is, if I get him, and then I think there's a manager of it all in the central office. A manager, understand, though he never seems to show up around the works, and certainly does seem to have some of the darndest ways. The professor here, if he is a professor, doesn't sense any manager. That is, if I get him straight, with his if there were any. That was what you said, wasn't it? I'm a pick chicken on religion and education, but honest. Both those ideas would mean soft tires for me— "'Yes, sir, soft tires.' "'Broad Street, gentlemen,' said the porter at the door. The Reverend Alan Dare walked away from the train and down the street. 
he was episcopally faced and episcopally trim and he was having considerable difficulty in holding his universe together this is not pleasant at forty-two when you want your universe held together and things settled and calm he had an uncomfortable sense that this difficulty had jolted into plain sight on the car ass he addressed himself briefly to let your sag and unsettlement loose in that way to say such a thing as you said and in such a place to parade your momentary distrust of life ass oh ass he said or thought a prayer-book collect one which seemed rather suited to asses and continued i suppose i'm three-tenths sag no more and he knoweth whereof we are made and what a devil of a world it is to be in just now but that rubber man on the car he isn't sag at all heavens his crudeness his beastly clothes and the bare-shaved welt round the back of his neck and that awful seal ring but he's fastened life is worth pushing at and cheering for and there's a manager if he has the darndest ways i'd give something for an every-minute mood like that a carrying night and day sureness like that he's not illuminated lucky dog professor william emery brown had changed cars and was continuing his journey in his lap lay a volume of essays just put forth by a member of his craft a college professor he opened it it chanced at page twenty seven and his eye was caught by the name of his own speciality he read philosophy is the science which proves that we can know nothing of the soul medicine is the science which tells us that we know nothing of the body political economy is that which teaches that we know nothing of the laws of wealth and theology the critical history of those errors from which we deduce our ignorance of god confound it ejaculated professor brown and closed the book room for one more inquired a voice and the rubber tire man slid into the seat i just pulled off a little thing out there he said that ought to put a small star in my crown a down and out a tough looker says to me please mister give me a dime i'm hungry and i says to him get out what you want is a good drink go get it and slips him a quarter talk about gratitude to think there are men you know it and i know it and he was afraid of it who'd have steered him to a quick lunch and put him against soft boiled eggs man's inhumanity to man sure nothing but that ever makes me any trouble about things tear ninety george this to the conductor and burn this pantella some time you said you were in education he went on i've just blown myself to a universal history five big volumes with lots of maps and pictures and flags of all nations and hanging gardens of babylon and such things gave down thirty-five for it and my name is printed peter b squem on the first page of every book now mr squem grew quite earnest you'd say wouldn't you that if a man could take those books down chew them up you understand and take them down he'd have an education not the same of course as normal school or college and yet an education i think if you know what's good for you you will steer clear of what you call an education i think i should stick to rubber tires and a few comfortable certainties and peace mr squem stared how's that he inquired education is your line you were saying and yet you queer your stuff i'd get a quick word from the house if i handled mercury tires that way but you wouldn't rejoined professor brown 
you wouldn't because tires mean something tires are your life preserver they are shaped like life preservers aren't they you've got me going said mr squem and no mistake i don't mind telling you i'd hope to get some hunch from you on education you see my clothes are right i always have a room with a bath and i get two hundred a month and fifty on the side i read the papers and the magazine section on sunday and i got through four books last year and yet there's something not there by kiefer not there i'd give something to get it there to slide it under somehow and bring the rest of me up to regular manicuring and ice-cream forks and the way my clothes fit mr squem was interrupted in the expression of this craving there was a tremendous jar the car tore and bumped with an immense pounding over the ties then careened and sprawled down a short bank and settled on its side people who have been through such an experience will require no description to others none can be given in the bedlam chaos and jumble and chorus of shrieks and smashing glass professor brown struggling up through the bodies which had been hurled upon him was conscious of a pain almost intolerably sharp in his leg and then of a sort of striped whirlwind which seemed to be everywhere at once extricating calming ordering comforting and swearing it was like a machine-gun keep your clothes on nothing's gonna bite you just a little shake-up yes chick we'll find your ma no you don't climb over those people sit down or i'll help you to hell with your valise pick up that child there go the axes everybody quiet now just where he is you with the side whiskers get back back you hear me now children first hand em along women next so men last why didn't you say you was a doctor get out there quick some of those people have got broke and need you professor brown was one of these last lifted by peter squem and a very scared brakeman he lay on two pullman mattresses at the side of the track waiting for the rabbit-faced country doctor to reach him he was suffering very much it seemed to him that he had never really known pain before but his attention went to a white-haired lady nearby a slight slender woman with breeding written all over her she had made her way from the drawing-room of the pullman and leaned heavily upon her maid in the state of approaching collapse professor brown was impressed by her air of distinction even in the midst of his pain then he saw a striped arm supportingly encircle her and a hand dominated by an enormous seal-ring pressed to her lips an open bottle of scotch let it trickle down auntie right down it's just what you need said peter b squem what did you think of when the car stopped rolling professor brown lying in his bed asked this question of mr squem sitting at its side the latter had got the professor home to his house and his housekeeper after the accident the day before and found the best surgeon in town and stood by while he worked had in a dozen ways helped a bad business to go as well as possible and now having remained overnight was awaiting the hour of his train think of nothing no time i was that cross-eyed boy you've heard about the one at the three-ringed circus did you see that newlywed rooster i'll bet he was that the one with the celluloid collar good-bye maud he yells and then tries to butt himself through the roof he wouldn't have left one sound rib in the car if i hadn't pinned him no i hadn't any time to think he produced and consulted a watch one that struck the professor as being almost too loud an ornament for a christmas tree an infant's face showed within as the case opened. "'Your baby?' inquired Professor Brown. "'Never. Not good enough. 
This kid I found, where do you suppose? On a picture postal at a newsstand. The picture was no good except the kid, and I cut him out, you see. Say, do you know the picture was painted by a man out in Montana? Yes, sir, Montana. They had the cards made over in Europe or somewhere. Dago's likely, and when they put his name on it, they didn't do a thing to that word Montana. Some spelling. Why, what you have there, said the professor, taking the watch with interest, is the holy child of Andrea Mantegna's circumcision. It's in the Uffizi at Florence. Singularly good it is, too. I'm very much wrapped up in the question, raised in a late book, of Mantegna's influence upon Giovanni Bellini. There's a rather fine point made in connection with another child in this same picture, a larger one pressing against his mother's knees. Mr. Squem was perfectly uncomprehending. "'Come again?' he remarked. "'No, you needn't either, for I don't know anything about the rest of the picture. I told you it was no good. There was an old party in a funny bathrobe and with heavy Belshazzars, I remember. But the picture was this.' He rose and began to get into his overcoat. "'There's one thing about this kid,' he said in a casual tone, which somehow let earnestness through. "'I know a man. He travels out of Philly, and he's some booze artist and other things that go along who's got one of those little Josephs, you know, those little dolls that Catholics tote around. Separate him from it? Not on your life. Why, he missed it one night on a sleeper, and he cussed and reared around and made the coon rout everybody out till he found it. It's luck, you see. Now this kid—' Mr. Squem was pulling on his gloves. Isn't luck, but he works like luck. He talks to me, understand, and here a pause. He puts all sorts of cussedness on the blink. You can't look at him and be an Indian. I was making the wrong sort of date in Trenton one day, and I saw him just in time. Sent the girl word I had been called out of town. I was figuring on the right time to pinch a man in the door. He'd done me dirty, and I saw him again. Good night. I'm never so punk that he doesn't ginger me. Doesn't look good to me. The management is mixed up with him, and I hook up to him. Here's the taxi. So long, Professor. Rats, I haven't done one little thing. Good luck to your game leg. It was Sunday morning, and service was under way in the Church of the Holy Faith. For the thousandth time the Reverend Alan Dare had dearly beloved his people, assembled to the number of four hundred before him, exhorting them in such forthright english as cannot be written nowadays not to dissemble nor cloak their sins before god and to accompany him unto the throne of the heavenly grace he had had a sick feeling as he read this exhortation so full of pound rhythm heart search and splendid good sense to the courteous abstractedness in the pews heavens he had a thought once this burnt in he had wanted to shriek or fire a pistol in the air, and then crush the meaning into his people, crush God into them, yes, and into himself. He was four-tenths sag that morning, the Reverend Alan Dare. In the Jubilate, a small choir-boy, a phenomenon who was paid a thousand a year, and was responsible for the presence of not a few of the four hundred, had sung, Be ye sure that the Lord he is God, to the ravishment of the congregation, not of the rector who stood looking dead ahead. The first lesson had been all about Jonadab, the son of Rechab, and drinking no wine. Frightful ineptness. What could it mean to anyone? How help anyone? 
here was life with all its cruel tangles tighter and more choking every day here was arnold's darkling plain and the confused alarms and the ignorant armies clashing by night there came back to dare the creed that he had heard in the smoking compartment i think it ought to be run the world even if it's mussed up to the limit and i think it's up to us to keep it running i think there's a manager of it all in the central office a manager understand though he never seems to show up around the works and certainly does seem to have some of the darndest ways oh god breathed alan dare there are so many things so many things it was the same sunday professor william emery brown was for the first time on crutches and stood supported by them at his window back again he ruminated i can probably drive to my classes in another week then the same old grind showing ingenuous youth who fortunately will not see it how the search hath taught me that the search is vain ho hum how very kind that mr squem he did so much for me and how very funny i should like to produce him at the seminar with his just right clothes his dream of culture via his universal history his approach to reality through a picture postal card he turned on himself almost savagely then what the devil are you patronizing him for don't you see that he is hooked to something and you are not that he is warm and you are freezing that he is part of the wave the wave man and that you are just a miserable tossing clot it was the same sunday mr squem sat in his room extremely denish smitingly red as to walls oppressive with plush upholstery a huge deer-head jutted from over the mantel divided honours with a highly coloured september morn affrontingly framed on a shelf stood a small bottle it contained a finger of mr squem amputated years before in alcohol on the knees of the owner of the room was volume one of the universal history number thirty two so red ink figures affirmed of a limited edition of five hundred sets mr squem's name was displayed in very large old english on the fly-leaf and above was an empty oval wherein his portrait might be placed no use soliloquized the owner of this treasure no use if i could chew it up and get it down or two of it that wouldn't slide under the thing that isn't there nothing will ever put me in the class of professor brown or that preacher on the car or bring the rest of me up to my clothes he rose and stretched maybe he said addressing a huge chocolate-coloured bust of an indian lady maybe i can catch up to those fellows sometime but not here noon i bet looking at his watch and it is to eat he contemplated the mantegna baby so long he said you're running things and snapped his watch end of story biographical and interpretive notes by charles swain thomas reverend arthur russell taylor rector of the episcopal church at york pennsylvania whose career as a writer of fiction opened so auspiciously with mr squem and a few companion stories died very suddenly early in january nineteen eighteen here the central interest is in character 
in creating such a personage as mr squem the writer of this story has boldly penetrated the veneer of culture and shown us that the character elements which are of enduring worth may be far aloof from any knowledge of art or religion or philosophy or any form of polite learning it is interesting to note the part which the railroad wreck plays in this story while there is enough in the situation to have made the wreck a point of central objective interest it is utilized here simply as the background for the display of mr squem genial direct efficient ingenious dominating interestingly crude in the february nineteen eighteen atlantic mr squem is equally interesting in a different environment soon after the death of rev arthur russell taylor bishop james henry darlington sent to the atlantic office as an interesting appreciation of dr taylor's work and character from bishop darlington we learn that dr taylor had for years been suffering from a tumor on the brain which had totally destroyed the sight of one eye and which by its pressure caused him constant pain sleepless nights and the gradual failing of the other eye like robert louis stevenson he was cheerful and brightened the lives of others until the very last and almost his final writings were sent to the atlantic End of section twenty three